When a spouse is being abused, one of the challenges they may have to face is that other people around them may not believe that they're even being abused. When this happens, there are even less resources available to empower the person experiencing the abuse. So let's look at how this happens and then what to do about it. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a clarifying episode for you this week. This is episode 219. And today we're going to be talking about what to do when the people around you don't see the emotional abuse you experience from your spouse. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed what to do when your spouse is in victim mode. That happens to all of us sometimes, but then there's other times when you see more severe chronic situations like this. So that's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into the topic of emotional abuse and what to do when others don't see it. Sure. Yeah. So we wanted to bring this topic forward today because social support is a vital component for helping women recover from all forms of abuse, like getting support from your support network. Mm-hmm. But when a woman, and we're going to go with the traditional assignments here, of course, just to save us flipping genders all the time, but there are uh, many situations where there are abused men. Mm-hmm. as well. So it could go the other way. But when a woman is in a genuinely abusive situation and her support network do not understand the severity of the problem, then she feels even more isolated and stuck in the abusive relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. So often too, in, in these contexts, the abuser is pretty slick and he has maybe convinced others, maybe even her own family that she's like, she's having mental health issues or she's just really unstable. Mm you know, is just not thinking rationally right now. So so then you can imagine how profoundly trapped she begins to feel in this kind of situation. And that really begins to shake her core sense of reality and truth. That's terrible though, because if you're that woman, like if you go to your family and say like, I need help, they're, they're like, going to be like, oh yes, yeah. Dear, you need to see the doctor like we told you. Uh, and like your husband has been recommending. So huh. that's, it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that bad. Like there are some parts that support and some don't. So maybe like your family sees it. Maybe your church supporters don't see it. It could go like that. Okay. I don't know. Maybe uh, your family doctor sees it, but he's, you know, he's bound by certain confidentiality things or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, who knows, right? Okay. So what is emotional abuse? Let's just review that real quick for Linda. We've covered abuse before in episode 123, which was about is my husband abusive? That was the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get that at oif.link slash one, two, three, if you're listening today. But a quick review of the main factors of emotional abuse. Uh, number one, threats. So these can be over, overt threats to harm you or your children or members of your family in any way. Uh, it could be threats to withhold basic needs like food, healthcare, financial support, et cetera. It's just threats okay. to establish power over. And then control is about uh, placing restrictions or putting or just controlling your life can include things like depriving you of sleep, denying you access to friends or support or money, food, transportation, kind of things that are normal 
taken for granted in a healthy marriage. Right. Okay. And then destabilization is another feature, which is just trying to destabilize you with ongoing intimidation, insults, degradation, or trying to convince you that you're inferior or undeserving of better treatment. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So one-off instances of these behaviors are not necessarily a sign of emotional abuse or that you're mm-hmm. in an abusive marriage. One uh, author states that for these actions to cross over from bad marital behavior to abusive behavior, it must reoccur repeatedly without the abuser showing any sign of responsibility or awareness of the issue. So I struggle with that because isn't that a typical thing of abusers, right? Like, oh, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. You go into the honeymoon phase. So to say... Yes, but it's more like they don't um, really, they don't acknowledge the impact of what it has done to you. Oh, okay. Like, oh, oh, I'm sorry you got so upset by that. I wasn't meaning for you to get that like angry and upset with, see how I just kind of put the little spin on it there that you're... So it's your fault that you got so upset because I didn't do that. Well, I'm apologizing for it, right? Mm. These are, so these are the subtle tactics. Okay. Whereas, you know, if, uh, if a healthy couple's having a fight and she, she wants to leave the house and he grabs all the car keys and says, you're not leaving till we resolve this. Right. Right. And then that, so again, healthy couple. And then later on, they're repairing from their conflict and she tells him about her fear and how trapped she felt when he took the keys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, I never considered, you know, how maybe me being bigger than you and me holding onto that made you feel so trapped and alone. And defenseless, and I will never, I promise you, I will never do that to you again. Okay. So there's an empathic comprehension of the impact upon her and an honest assessment or owning of him causing it. And it's a one-off situation. Now you take that behavior, you repeat it without the repair side, and you're in an abusive context. But this is how in a healthy marriage, a healthy person can do something abusive, but it doesn't mean he or she's an abuser. All right. Hopefully that made it clearer, not muddier. I think so. Uh, Common mistakes that others make around this. So even counselors, marriage counselor, usually not marriage counselors. Well, I don't know. Maybe sometimes too. Yeah. (laughs) You sound a little defensive there. Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd have to say I've been duped the odd time for a while. You know, we may not see abuse for what it is. And again, another author gave a helpful list of reasons why therapists may miss identifying abuse. And these are reasons that other people in your support network may be prone to as well. One is failing to recognize that emotional abuse is an act of violence just as physical abuse is. Mm -hmm. And this one is very easy. It's like, well, did he hit you? Mm -hmm. And, And she's like, no, but. And in your mind, you're like, okay, well, he didn't hit you. Right. He's never hit you. So it's okay, so right? Like, safe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Another one is not having an understanding of patriarchy, power, and gender. That can lead to a blindness toward abuse. How does not having an understanding? Well, good question. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, uh, so if you imagine like you're a sort of stereotypical older generation person, mm-hmm. guy maybe, okay, who, you know, born at the end of World War II and married and, you know, He's the breadwinner. She's the homemaker, mm-hmm. right? They're retired now. He doesn't realize all the privileges that come with, I'm just going to say manpower, male privilege, right? Okay. So, and may not even be aware of the fact of how much his wife serves him. There's still kind of a, there's a traditional relationship there where women are in a more subservient role to him, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you take that guy and then you take another couple where it's very much an egalitarian marriage where they don't believe that men, you know, have very male roles and women have very female roles, but it's more balanced and we want to just be sharing all the work that we need to do in the house and sharing responsibility for income. Mm -hmm. So those two couples are going to look at an abused couple 
differently. Oh, an abusive couple I differently. See. Got you. Because okay. yeah, one is going to be much more sensitive to issues of power and control. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know you can have a happy traditional marriage, and there's nothing abusive about it. Mm-hmm. But to go from a happy traditional marriage to an abusive marriage with traditional elements, it, it wouldn't look a whole lot different on the surface from the outside. It would not. Mm, okay. And it's no criticism of traditional marriage. It's just that. You know, if you're going to have a traditional marriage, you still really have to hold on to understanding what patriarchy and power and gender are all about. So you're, okay. you're more sensitive to this. It okay. just leads to blindness. That's all. Yeah. The third thing is, is that uh, even a therapist in this situation or other people, they can hold you in some way responsible for your husband's pervasive pattern of abuse. You know what? If you would right. stop being so scrambled at home and just learn to keep house, if your house was calm, your husband would be calm. You would actually say that to a woman? I wouldn't. People do. Okay. Right. And, uh, and you know what? She might have like a chaotic house and look like she's not holding up her end of the bargain. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's part of his overall thing is he can Crazy. point at that and say, look, here's evidence of the fact that she's the problem. And you can, you can get sold on that easy enough. Hmm. Okay. So this is why other people sometimes don't see these things. And so my contention is a therapist can fall prey to this and we should know about abuse, then anybody can, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to help someone see the abuse that you're experiencing, one of the things you may need to do is to educate them on one or more of these issues. And you can okay. do that by referring them to articles such as on our website about abuse or or by giving them good books such as The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans mm-hmm. or Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. That's another good book. May begin to help them see the issue and they can begin to see okay. what's going on. Uh, on the other hand, if you come from a family where all the men operate in a patriarchal mindset, it might be impossible to involve them as resources in your support network. So you may just kind of need to move on from that hope, and you may choose then to turn to others who are already better prepared to understand the abuse and to confront it alongside you. Okay. Or at least to help you remove yourself from it. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. But like, okay, if you're in the situation, why do others not see it? Well, sometimes people only see the good. Uh, so abuse normally occurs in, in a fairly simple cycle. You have a period of abuse that happens, then that's followed by reconciliation. And then there's the honeymoon period mm-hmm. where the abuser is especially kind and loving. And the honeymoon period might be the most public part of the public. cycle. Yeah, yeah. And the actual abuse is normally done in private. So if people only see that honeymoon phrase, the abuser looks like a perfect or doting spouse during that mm-hmm. phase, quite possibly. So that's one thing. Another thing is the mind games and justification that may come along with this. So abusive husbands are often very good at belittling their spouses and damaging their self-esteem and convincing them that the abuse is their own fault. So now even the abused wife can buy into this or or be con- I should say she can be convinced by this and become so disoriented by suffering the abuse from him that they end up rationalizing or justifying the abuse that they receive. Okay. To, to other people that may be concerned. So they could be talking their support network out of out supporting of them. Yeah. Saying, I'm not sure it was as bad as I thought it was. Or, you know what? He would never do anything to upset me unless I provoke him. I just need to learn to not provoke him like that. Hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it may be that you have found yourself collaborating with your husband to minimize what you're experiencing. Okay. So this okay. is another reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit related to this and like, why do why do people... Or why do, yeah, why do people in abusive situations defend their abuser? It's commonly known as the Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, we have more on that in our trauma bonding episode, episode 156. 
at oif.link slash 156 if you want to unpack that some more. Another factor is the stigma of abuse. So many abuse survivors are ashamed of their situation and they do their best to cover it up. Mm -hmm. So it means that when they do open up about it to friends and family, that other people have a hard time believing it since it looked like everything in the marriage was fine. Okay. Now, on the flip side of this, many societies and cultures still view abuse as a personal and private matter, which shouldn't be addressed in public. So someone you know being a victim of abuse is a hard thing to have to confront. So families and friends may unconsciously justify or minimize or rationalize the abuse rather than face up to a difficult situation. So they'll say, well, they just had a fight. Okay. She must be exaggerating Mm -hmm. because she's upset. So they can play it down. There's isolation too, often part of abuse, which may make or help blind others to what's going on. Social isolation is often part of abuse. Like you want to, he wants to isolate the woman, right? Yeah. The abuser may limit the abused spouse's contact with friends or family or only allow them to see friends and family as a couple, which means you don't really have a chance to talk about the situation. Mm -hmm. And it, it may not even give others the chance to see any evidence of what you're experiencing. So it's like you're it. you're showing up and telling the story of the abuse and they're like, that is not what we see mm-hmm. or have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Possibly, right? But okay, question for you then. Do people make it up? Like if someone comes to me and I can't see any evidence of that, yeah, I need to support them anyways. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would. Okay. For sure. To start with, like a uh, very, I mean, you'd have to ask yourself, why would you make it up? So mm-hmm. the only thing, mm-hmm. the only time when I think people make up this kind of situation or the, the kind of the more classic situations is when, you know, if sometimes the abuser will make up the abuse to try to paint the other person as bad. Okay. That's confusing. Yeah. And, or it may be a situation where uh, someone wants a, you know, they're trying to divorce someone else for some personal advantage. Okay. And... And so she paints him as the abuser. Right. You know what I mean? But so, I don't know. Again, here, I tell the people listening to these stories, go with your gut. Just really listen and see what you're hearing. Okay. As the person But I feel like so far, all we've talked about is like how we won't see it and we wouldn't be a support. And I mean, maybe that'll change the yes, rest of the episode. Yes, but I'm trying here, to but... speak more to the, uh, the the spouse who's experiencing this, just uh, so she okay. understands what she's up against. And why people might not understand. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. And I guess I'll be honest too, that I'm also hoping that some people will listen to this who are being called to stand beside an abuse survivor, and they're not quite convinced. And okay. because maybe it's just their first time through this. It's their, yeah. It is their first rodeo. Yeah. And I'm hoping that you'll identify in hearing this, some of the reasons why you might be reluctant to concede to what's happening or to agree or to buy in. Right. Okay. Okay. And then uh, the, the final point in this section about why others don't see the abuse is that it's often just misunderstood. So many people hold the view that abuse is always physical. Right. Okay. You mentioned that. Yeah. Once. I know I have to admit that before school thought the same thing. Like it's, you know, Mm-hmm. getting friends and family to recognize emotional abuse and the severity of it may be hard then, right? Because it, it could go against our understanding of what abuse is. So again, you get the classic question, well, has he ever hit you? And when you say no, if that hasn't happened, it's only been, air quotes only, been emotional. It's easy enough for them to say, well, you're safe then. Mm. So then what do you say next? Right. And ideally you would say you're safe physically, but you're not safe emotionally. And then the question becomes, can they really grasp what that means to be unsafe emotionally? And I've, so I've sat with survivors of abuse enough now to see how profound the damage, the emotional damage is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But if it is someone's first rodeo, they may not get that. That sounds so like airy fairy. Like I can see, like if someone said, well, yes, I'm safe physically, but not safe emotionally. Like it, I think it would be easy to write that off. You know what I mean? So I can, I can see how it would be hard hard. to get people to understand. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, it's destroying. Maybe say it's destroying me. Yeah. Uh, Whatever words kind of are accurate for you, where you can really convey the severity of the, the violence that's happening. Okay. Uh, so once again, we've created a bonus guide for this episode. In keeping with past episodes on abuse, this bonus guide is complimentary. It can be freely downloaded by going to our blog post for this episode at oif.link slash 219. The guide gives more detail on what emotional abuse looks like, and then it helps you to understand how to begin documenting and journaling what you're experiencing. So you can be clear with yourself, first of all, that you are experiencing emotional abuse, and then also use that journal to give ample evidence to others that you are experiencing abuse. So this is a careful documentation of evidence. Mm -hmm. Really useful tool. Uh, It'll help you create a support network then that will assist you in navigating your way out of the abuse and towards healing. So we'll still take a short break here to share more about how you can become a patron of our podcast, but we do want to be clear that this episode's guide is complimentary. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we're talking about why others don't see the abuse for what it is. And now what to do about the abuse Mm -hmm. and how to expose the reality of it. There are a number of things that you can do to expose or to face the reality of the abuse, I should say, to empower yourself and to help others see what's going on. So you can involve them in supporting your journey of recovery. Okay. Uh, Number one, as we just mentioned in our little uh, suggestion there towards our, our bonus guide, document or journal the abuse. So some women find that keeping a written record of their husband's abuse is helpful. Keeping accurate records of what happened, when, and even identifying the patterns of abuse. Uh, so there, there are abusive tactics. There's categories of abusive tactics. And this is where it's really helpful to educate yourself about this thing. Again, I'd refer you to The Verbally Abusive Relationship by Patricia Evans. But you can actually document these things. So he said this. It's this form of verbal abuse. It was this date. This was the place, right? Okay. And this will help you see the severity of the problem over time for yourself. It can also be used to counter your husband's attempts to deny or minimize the abuse when seeking help. So sometimes a woman might go, first of all, say to her pastor or her Mm -hmm. church leadership Mm -hmm. and say, he's abusing me. And he then has the job of, you know, laying out all the evidence to why she's crazy and she's the problem. Yeah. At which point she can open the journal and say, look, I've been documenting all the the patterns here. Mm, Okay. Okay. You know, obviously be careful how you do that so you don't put yourself at further risk, but... So this isn't to show your husband? No, no, no. 
Okay. Your job is not to convince or to change him at this stage. This is more like this is more about obtaining support so that you have people around you. Safety. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the next thing is figuring out who to talk to. So a study in 2000 interviewed 31 women who were either currently in abusive marriages or had left them. And they asked them about who they turned to for support and how helpful that was. And this was kind of interesting. They found that confiding in a few close female friends was often the most helpful strategy. Okay. Obviously for guys, I would go for, uh, if you're a guy in an abusive situation, find a few close guy friends. All of the women who reached out to a girlfriend reported that it was extremely helpful in terms of practical support, emotional support, and helping to Mm -hmm. clarify and get some distance from the issue. Because one of the big questions when you first start talking about this is like, is this really happening or am I... Right. Crazy, right? Right. Many women confide in a single trusted friend who then acts as a supporter or facilitator in helping the abused woman receive support and to confront the issue. So having this kind of friend on their side really helped Mm -hmm. convince them that their problems were real and it buffered them against rationalizing or explaining the abuse away. Okay. Just grounding kind of, right? Okay. So question here. You always talk about, you know, If you're going to complain about your marriage, find somebody who's on the side of your marriage and not on your side. Okay. And, you know, if you're going to be complaining. Yep. So how do you know the difference here? Uh, Good question. Well, I think this is where the journal comes in handy. Okay. And and I think the other part to answer that or the other prerequisite to answering that question is to know that abuse is not a marriage problem. Abuse is an abuser's problem. Mm, Okay. So the abuse needs to resolve itself. And if and when he proves himself to be a safe person who can uh, shift his mindset towards understanding that he can give you personal power Mm -hmm. and that's not a threat to him and that you can live as peers and he knows how to respect and honor you, okay, then you may turn to doing some marriage counseling to help with other communication issues or other challenges you've been facing. Okay. Uh, so you want a close friend for this one, but I mean, that person could still be a friend of the marriage in the sense of looking at your documentation and saying like, am I overblowing something here or, or does, is this really about an abuse problem that, you know, and that ball lands in his court. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because, you know, in these situations, when I talk to wives, they're quite honest and they've done things they regret mm-hmm. and behaved in ways that they're not proud of. Okay. And, and so that, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to have a squeaky clean record in order for him to be an abuser. Okay. Right? So the abuse may still be happening and it still has to be resolved. And then, you know, you can deal with the other ways that you guys have related to each other in unhelpful dynamics. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The same study found that talking to professionals was often very helpful. Women who sought help from social workers, counselors, or church leaders found that this enabled them to understand the abuse was not their fault, helped them to develop a plan of what to do, Okay. Again, you just want to make sure that whichever type of person you talk to, they need to have a basic understanding of abuse. Okay. So not expecting too much from people that aren't trained to understand this. Mm-hmm. Talking to family members was much more mixed. Some women found that talking to their mothers or siblings or parents in law even was helpful and some did not. And there was no mm-hmm. clear pattern as to which family members are best to talk to, which means it, it comes mostly down to your individual relationships within the family. And that particular family member's ability to make sense of the issue and mm-hmm. respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. Like, will they get it or not? Yeah. And then that's... another great resource is to find... Sorry, did you want to say something else on that? No, I was just thinking, like, that's really interesting because, like, even in my own family, yeah, all my siblings are great, but there would be some that I would talk to about certain things before the other one. Yeah. Just because of their yeah personality and I don't know what it would be. And but... yet, in you could see how it'd be easy for a person to think, well, my family will rally around me. 
Right. But some family's members may not get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? They just don't. And others really do. So the other thing is to find fellow survivors. So talking to other women that have been through abuse was often found to be helpful in clarifying the situation, deciding what to do. When you talk to someone who understands the cycle of abuse, they've been there. They get the blaming and the mind games that happen. That helps enable you to take the next step towards getting professional help. Okay. As well. Okay. Uh, similarly, support groups for abused women were also found to be a good source of emotional support and guidance. Definitely hmm. something to explore and to see if one is available in your area. Yeah. And then I thought that this was neat too uh, to come out in the secular research, but they found also that faith is valuable, even when all else is failing and when it's hard to rally that support network. Really? Uh, yeah. Both uh, the, the Yoshihama study and the Arakak study reported that faith and prayer were helpful tools for women suffering from loneliness and alienation due to emotional abuse. So even when other people refuse to see the abuse or are unable to help prayer and connecting with God still helped these women cope with their circumstances and reduced the loneliness that they were experiencing. Wow. So even That's if you're neat. not sure where to start or what to turn to next, the Lord is near to those who have a crushed spirit, as the Psalms say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that has been very enlightening to me today. Yeah. This is uh, kind of coming at it from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, that is all for today. And we want to thank those of you who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. We have Sharon and Tobias. So thank you to Sharon, Tobias, and all of our faithful supporters each month. And we have an iTunes review. Yes. I don't understand how you have this written. Four pine. Four stars. Oh. Sorry, this is uh, that other way I had of copying them in here doesn't work anymore. I see. So Pinina says, more from Verlinda. Like this show, it's clarity and balance, room for growth. I would like to see the wife's role here expanded beyond supportive and summative. I bet she has more wisdom than is exhibited here. That is true. And we're just going to move on because I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the review, Pinina. Well, we can, I think we can say that um, we record these shows in the middle of real life. And so some days we show up and record and we're exhausted and we have to get it done anyways. Yeah. And uh, on those days, I'm more just kind of reading my notes and you're grunting <laughs> and we're getting her done. But yeah, Verlinda's input is definitely more welcome. And But I think the other thing too is understanding that in our marriage that we have complementary areas of expertise. There are things that you do that I have nothing to say about. Uh-huh. They, they just don't happen to get recorded on a podcast. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like I'm lesser or anything like that. That's good. I guess. You know, I could always talk more. You could always work on expanding your role. the thing is so that let's... they've asked for wisdom, not just talking. No, you've got plenty of that too. See. You, do have, you do have more wisdom that's than what is exhibited. So you have been challenged. Mm-hmm. And next show, she will rise to the occasion. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about next week? Talking about how generosity can transform your marriage. And I don't just mean giving your husband more money to spend on tools, although that is a great idea. Yeah, no. Okay, maybe we'll talk about that too. (laughs) That's all for today's episode. I'm starting to wonder about the wisdom piece. (laughs) You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 219. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. 
A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.